Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We're going to continue um, in our sermon series. We've been walking through Matthew, um, and uh, that's my handle. I don't know if I've posted anything on that for a minute, so... uh, I don't know if you should go there. Um, if you ever wondered what Matthew looked like, that's what Matthew looked like. Um, the jokes don't get better than that, you guys. So, so that's all I got. Uh, before we jump into things here, uh, just like, I'm gonna introduce myself first. If you're new, maybe you're new here today, first time, just wanna welcome you. I'm David, the location pastor here. Uh, Brian Mowry, our lead pastor, who oversees all four of our Jubilee locations, is with our um, Confluence Church. We're part of a family of churches called Confluence, and he's in Lee Summit this morning at King's Church, preaching there and encouraging uh, Dylan and Becca Neely in that church. So would you, uh, got a couple things for us to pray for here. Let's just pray for Brian real quick, if you would join with me. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much for family. Thank you for Dylan and Becca Neely. Thank you for that church. Thank you for King's Church, God. We just ask that you bless. Bless them, God, that as Brian preaches, as he's with them and spends time with them, Lord, that they would be strengthened and encouraged and envisioned for what you have for them. In your name we pray, amen, amen. One more um, thing I just, I wanna share with you. I was chatting with David McGuire here, and many of you know one of our members, uh, Florence Scheller, um, she has been a member, I don't know exactly how long, but I came here in 2003 and she was already here. And so member for long, more than 20 years, um, she has been battling some health stuff, was in the hospital uh, over the week over Christmas and she's at a skilled nursing facility. And I just, I really wanna pray for her. Would you join me? And maybe we're just gonna have a prayer meeting today. No preaching, just prayer. Lord, we just, God, we lift Florence up to you. God, we thank you for flow. Thank you. But I th- when I think about flow, I think about just steady faithfulness. A woman of prayer, a woman of presence. Uh, God, we just pray for her health. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw near to her. Lord, we pray for her healing and her comfort. And we ask you, Lord, for your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll do be praying for her. Um, uh, as she, uh, the family just walks. I mean, they're, she's surrounded by family and friends, but I know that notes, she's been really encouraged by notes from people. So if you know Flo, maybe send her a note um, and uh, a prayer or something to encourage her. Well, um, we're gonna jump in, jump in here. Recently, I came, in, uh, came across a story about a prisoner of war um, uh, there's, a, there's a nonprofit organization that does a lot of support of veterans and they were highlighting this story that was, it was, it was, it was fascinating to me because I, had, I just can't even imagine what this would be like. In fact, probably many of us couldn't, I mean, unless you're in the military. Um, but uh, they, they highlighted the story of a man named Paul Casillo. And Paul fought in World War II uh, he, uh, his group was responsible. He was sent out on a mission uh, on a plane with a crew to report the weather. Doesn't sound like a dangerous job. Like that's what his job was. He was to report the weather. Well, um, his job turned very dangerous on June 1st, 1943. He was sending in the weather report uh, to the team uh, on the ground. And as he was doing that, bullets ripped through his plane. 
and they found themselves under attack um, from uh, Japanese warplanes. For there was twelve planes, he said, and and immediately the, the 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 engine catches fire. He starts to go down, and he leapt from the plane in order to save his life. Um, however, uh, Paul landed behind enemy lines in a jungle and injured. And it was only days later that a Japanese patrol took him capture. And, uh, and, and brought him with a few other surviving prisoners into a camp. And that began a journey for Paul. It began a journey of, of not knowing. I mean, even he didn't know if he would survive the day. He would wake up in the morning, didn't know if he would survive the day, didn't know if he would survive the hour. He suffered brutality. He suffered hunger. He suffered pain. He suffered isolation. Um, and he was completely captivated, captured, and there was really nothing that he could do about it. The only way that Paul was getting out of this place is if someone else came and got him. He spent over two years as a prisoner of war, but he wrote that two years into his encampment, U.S. planes flashed across the sky. They flew overhead and they dropped uh, they dropped um, items, goods, magazines, cigarettes, food. They dropped and parachuted things down to the camp. And that was the first sign of hope. He said, like the first sign that he might get out of there. And it was only a days later uh, that he was eventually set free, him and the prisoners that he was at war with. He was completely, completely captivated and he needed someone else to come and liberate him. And we read stories like this and they're, they're captivating. They're interesting. Like I, I read, so I'm like, I'm fascinated by what people go through and, and, and what they live through. Uh, but if I'm very honest, like I said, this, it's very difficult to relate to. Like, I have no idea what it's like to be a prisoner of war. I have no idea what he had to been like to be in his uh, position. And especially when you consider, like, especially you consider, like, here we are in an air-conditioned room in cushioned chairs. We woke up this morning Unless you're a younger child, no one probably said, you're going to church today. Like you had a choice. You have a choice to be here. You had a choice of what you do today. Like you woke up with options. We, we, wake, up with, we wake up with all kinds of, we, we have options of where we're gonna eat lunch with what we're gonna do. We have, we have these little freedoms all around us. We, we have a choice of where we work, where we go to school, people in our life. We have all of these little freedoms that we're surrounded by every minute of every day. Here's a question I have. Why, if we are unlike Paul, who had no choices, why is it when we're surrounded by all these choices and all these options and all these freedoms, why do we find that our joy runs out? Why do we get irritated? Why do we get angry? Why do we get worn out and tired from all the options? Why do we get numb to the world around us? I mean, it's like we live in a world of our own creation, but somehow it's not satisfying. And here's what we do. When we come to the realization that it's not satisfying, we just look to change it. We get rid of something. We upgrade something. We get a new set of friends. We get a new job. We go to a new school. We buy a new home. 
We get a new piece of technology. Here's the reality is that we are trapped. We are trapped by invisible walls of dissatisfaction. Let me ask this question. What if, what if the job isn't the problem? What if the people in our life aren't the problem? What if the school isn't the problem? What if the neighbors aren't the problem? Well, you don't know my neighbors, David. It's the neighbors. Trust me. What if our spouse isn't the problem? What if our lack of spouse isn't the problem? What if the problem that we have is not out here around us, but is in here? What if the problem that we all have, that we all have is that we need to be liberated and we can't save ourselves? We can't acquire it. We can't upgrade to it. We can't diet our way to it or buy it. And we see in our text today, we see Jesus's mission on earth is exactly this. I'm telling you the end before we even get there. So if you take anything away from the sermon, here's what I want you to know. Jesus came to liberate you. Jesus came to liberate you. He came to absolve the uncertainty, the directionless, the purposelessness, the anxiety-ridden thoughts and feelings we have. He came to set free and to reveal a life of freedom and purpose, a life of worship and work, a life marked with power to overcome and patient humility that enables us to endure. What's happening in Jesus's life at this point? We've, we've gone through some significant moments. We've, we've gone through Jesus's baptism where he was baptized by John the Baptist. And we, heard, and we read about how the Father, Jesus, God the Father spoke and said, this is my son, my beloved son, who I'm well pleased with. And how the Holy Spirit descended upon him. We walked through the, the passage where he was immediately then led by that moment into the wilderness, where he didn't battle with Satan and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Here's just an interesting, just one interesting note. In the wilderness, Jesus refrained from doing miracles in order to prove that he was the son of God or to stand in the truth that he was the son of God. Now we enter a new chapter and Jesus steps out and he is performing miracles left and right. Again, showing that he is the son of God. It says in our text in verse 23 that he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Just underline that in your Bible, if you got your Bible. Every disease and every affliction. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. He is, he is doing some amazing miracles. I mean, imagine someone you knew or no, your whole life who's been in a wheelchair. Jesus tells them to get up and they get up. Someone who's blind, he tells them to see and they see. Someone who has seizures every single week, he tells them to stop and they stop. I mean, he's going around and he's demonstrating authority and he's demonstrating power. And I love actually how Matthew encapsulates it because he says, he says in the one line, he, um, he says they, he brought, they brought him all the sick 
those afflicted with various diseases and pains. He just, he just groups it all together. He's healing people with back pain and he's healing people who can't walk. All kinds of various diseases and pains. And of course, what's happening? The crowd is coming out to Jesus. They're catching, either they're hearing about these stories about a man who is doing the impossible and they want to see. I mean, imagine what you would do if you were sick or if you had an ailment and you heard of this man who was going around and he was doing things like this. Like you'd want to get around him. You'd want to see what he's about. I mean, you would cancel barbecues, postpone vacations. Like you would change your plans to get near Jesus. You would change your circumstances to get around. And that's what these people are doing. They were changing their plans to get near Jesus. And Jesus is doing exactly what he, what he said he would do and what we've already said he came to do in Luke chapter four. He walks into a synagogue in Luke chapter four. He unrolls the scrolls and he reads from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Say that word with me, liberty. Liberty. He, he, let's read this. He, he sent me to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, liberty, those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to proclaim and set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's what Jesus came to do. Now, here's an interesting, here's an interesting thought or a note. Many Israelites and Jews, God's people, they're looking for a Messiah. They're expecting a Messiah. They're expecting a Savior that will come and deliver for them. And so when Jesus starts to get a little notoriety, they are wondering, is this the Messiah? But many, many people struggled to accept that Jesus was the one they were looking for. You know why? Because they thought that when God talked, spoke about setting them free and about delivering them, they thought he meant that the Messiah, the Savior would come and set them free and reestablish them as a political power. They thought he would set them free from the Romans. They were living a life and saying, okay, the problem is the Romans. The problem is our circumstance. The problem is the political oppression. The problem is, how, this is the problem out here. But they had a hard, and this is why they had a hard time accepting Jesus, because Jesus came. He didn't come to be a politician. He didn't come to raise a military army. And what Jesus did is he said, you think the problem's out here. I didn't, he didn't come to conquer the Romans. The Romans were still in power when Jesus died. He didn't do that. Why did he come? He came to conquer their hearts. He came to conquer the darkness that is inside of them. He came to liberate them from the thing that's not an external thing, but from an internal thing that's going on within all of us. And see, we make this mistake all the time. We think this is the, if this was different in my life, if this circumstance would change, then, then I would find what I'm looking, then I would be satisfied. Jesus says, no, you won't. Change it all day, left, right, up. You can change it all you want. He came to conquer the darkness in our heart. He came to liberate us from the thing that we don't even see is the problem. Like, no, 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 the problem's not in here, Jesus. The problem's out there. No, no, no. 
But he keeps, and that's why, and that's why even though they were looking for him, so many of them didn't see Jesus and still don't as the Messiah, even though he's walking around and he's demonstrating authority and power over every circumstance. And you realize, like, how can you not see that this man is God? He's God. He is God on earth, walking in our shoes, setting people free. So what he came to do, he came to liberate. I love that Jesus performs miracles. I love the power that he has. I mean, many of us probably in this room could share stories of how we have experienced his power, his healing emotionally, physically in some way. In fact, one of our Jubilee members shared their story with me. I'm gonna share it with you. This is from John Rousel. Uh, he's at our, our city location. And um, John, he wrote to me and said, Look, I recently started exercising again and began having pain in my left foot. It was a constant dull pain in the muscles and tendons, which increased any time I flexed or pointed my toes. I couldn't walk or run without aggravating the pain. One Sunday, one of our other members brought a word. They came up on Sunday morning and they said, hey, I feel like God wants to heal somebody that has pain in their foot. The pain and location he described matched mine exactly. The pain wasn't debilitating. And honestly, John says, if someone had generally asked who needed prayer for healing, I wouldn't have responded. However, given that it exactly described what I had going on, I went forward. When I responded for prayer, Alex shared he felt it was related to an uneven gait and stride when I was walking or running. Exactly how I had hurt my foot, which resonated with me even more. He held out my legs and sure enough, one leg was longer than the other. Alex and the others prayed for healing in the unevenness in my legs. As they prayed, I felt tingling in both my feet and the sharpness of the pain and unevenness started to disappear. Throughout the day, I noticed the pain lessening to just a soreness. The next day I decided to go for a jog to really test it and I noticed no pain. Since then I have run, I have walked, jumped up and down with absolutely no pain in my foot. Praise God. That's right. Praise God. Like, come on. Like, this is what God does. He heals. He, said, he performs miracles. He didn't just perform miracles one day back then. He performs miracles. He's still ruling. He still has authority. Now, here's, let's check this out, what John says next, because this is actually, I love this. He says, one thing that really spoke to me about the healing is the fact that God had seen me in the pain that I had decided was minor. In recent life struggles, I had flippantly said things like, God's not gonna do my laundry, is he? Feeling he wasn't with us in the daily struggles. Through someone describing the pain I was feeling, I heard God saying to me, I see you. The healing wasn't just for my foot, but also a heart encounter with God. It was a tangible reminder that no matter what we face, he sees us, he is with us, he knows us, and he loves us more than we could ever know. Praise God, praise God. Jesus is the one who liberates us. Jesus sets the captive free. Listen, Jesus, I, we, I want us to have a robust faith as a church to believe God for miracles to believe God for healing, to believe God for this. I want us to pray for it. I want us to ask for it. I want us to believe it. But let me tell you something though. 
Jesus performed miracles, but miracles were not his mission. Jesus had popularity, but popularity was not his mission. Jesus had a following, but a following, a crowd was not his mission. Here's a reality. If John goes out today and goes for a jog and trips and falls down, he could hurt his leg all over again. Every person that Jesus raised from the dead that we read about in the Bible, they're dead. Think about that. Physical healings may last us to the end of our life here on earth, but a lot of them are temporary. You get healed of back pain, you'll have back pain again probably. The point is not to discourage us from having a robust faith in miracles. My point is that what John encountered in his heart, seeing who God was, that God was with him, that he loved him, that he saw him, the next time John is sick and ill or discouraged, he's going to remember what God did in his heart. And no matter what you're going through, no matter like if God's answering every prayer that you put out there or you feel like God, it's like radio silence. Well, I think God just wants to meet you in that space so that you know that he is God and he has a purpose and he is ruling and he is reigning and he's not ignorant, he's not oblivious and he's not after a temporary healing. He's after your heart. That is what he's after. More important than anything, he wants to liberate our hearts. I think we see this on display in Matthew uh, chapter nine, where the scene is, it's a familiar story, but they bring the paralyzed man before Jesus, right? You know the story where, where they, they, his friends bring him, they tear open the roof, they lower him down. What's Jesus do? He first forgives him. I, always, I, wonder, I wonder if that guy was caught off guard when Jesus said that. Because you think he was for sure going for a healing, right? Like that seemed like the, the intent. Here's what I imagine happened. He was hoping for a miracle. He was hoping for a miracle. And, in, and the first thing Jesus does is he addresses not what he wants, but what he needs. He addresses his heart. He looks at him and says, you are forgiven of your sins. You hear those stories of people when they first meet Jesus, when they're forced, first come into a relationship. And I'm gonna read you one of those stories in just a moment. And you're gonna hear people say, I just felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. I felt this burden removed. I felt free. I can only imagine that man laying on that mat paralyzed. That's what he experienced in the presence of Jesus. Jesus looking down at him saying, I for you are forgiven of all your sins. <sighs> weight off. Not what he was expecting, maybe, perhaps, but he got what he needed. But then what does Jesus say? I love it because then the crowd stirs up and they're all getting angry and the religious leaders are like, no one can forgive, only God can forgive. And what does it say? Jesus says, for which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. Jesus gave him the miracle. What was he doing? He was setting his heart free way more importantly than that, than that miracle. Listen, Jesus's end game for you isn't physical comfort here on this earth. It's not. But what he wants is he wants a real encounter of his power to cause us to see him, to receive him as Lord and King in our life, to know him 
to see that he is good, that he is loving, that he is near, that he is worth following. And not just to praise him when things go the way that we pray and want them to go. I mean, the apostle Paul performed many miracles and he praised God and he was enslaved in chains and in prison and beaten and shipwrecked and, all, and he praised God. Sometimes God answered his prayer. Sometimes God didn't. But what set Paul apart is that his heart was liberated from his circumstances. See, his worship wasn't contingent on how things went. It was contingent on a God who never changed. That is where his hope was. That is where his life was. And God wants to give us the testimony of worshiping him in either circumstance, in either situation. He came to set us free. Let me tell you Chris's story. Chris is, this story special to me because Chris, a friend of mine, in fact, Chris, if you watch this online, I'm talking about you. Um, but uh, he was one of our first baptisms at this location, one of our very first baptisms. And uh, Chris gave his life to Jesus and this is his story. He says, for a long time, I'd always thought of the Bible and Jesus as an eye for an eye. I kept tallies and would always think that we were even when I did something good. It was shortly after a close friend of mine had passed away that I completely turned my back against God and faith. I could not forgive him for taking Corey. And for about three years, I felt this way. I blamed God for so many things in my life. I was mad at so many things that had happened in my past, things that I had done and situations I had to go through. I thought to myself, I would not and could not be forgiven for living a life so full of sin. Then Sarah, who's his wife, brought me to church after talking to me about it for weeks and weeks, I finally gave in and we went. He didn't have a choice. <laughs> First time I sat down and listened to a sermon at Jubilee, I was hesitant, but as I started listening, I was so drawn to what was being said and something clicked and I wanted more. It was the first time in my life I had made a true connection with what I was hearing with the idea that Jesus is real. After many struggles, he wrote, one day it finally clicked that Jesus died for my sins and has forgiven me of all of my sins, even when I sometimes have a hard time forgiving myself. He said, I have felt like a huge weight has been taken off my shoulders. And in moments I find myself feeling anxious and stressed, I quickly remember to have faith and to have faith that God has a plan for me and to trust him. Praise God. Jesus came to liberate us. He came to set the captive free. If you're a, a follower of Jesus and you have faith that he is the son of God, if you know him as savior, if you know him, if you've walked with him, my encouragement to you is to stoke the flame, the passion that you have for people to know the good news of who Jesus is and to live in the good news. You know, sometimes we don't live in the good news. Let me just share a, a personal struggle that I've recently had. Personally, pastors are people too. Just remember that. Pastors. I mean, I mean guys, I've been in a rough spot over the last few months. Um, and I'm walking this out. I, um, if you know, if you've been around, you know that my wife has battles with a chronic illness. We've been in the hospital. I've had more surgeries in the last year and a half that I think we've had in the last 16 years. Um, and I knew I was 
unhappy with some things, but I knew I had a big problem. There was one night where I, God just was like, you've got a problem and you gotta deal with it. Because we went to the hospital one night, went to the ER for something not even related to her illness. Um, she was having this intense, extraordinarily intense neck pain, which she, she doesn't have. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's like, here we go again. And we went to the hospital, had a great visit, had a great doctor, had great nurses. They got her feeling better, sent us on our way home. Um, and on the way home, like she's feeling great. And she says, maybe God healed me. And you know what my first thought was? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The medicine's gonna wear off. You're gonna be back in pain. And we're gonna be back at the hospital. That was the honest thoughts that I had went through my head. And she knew something was wrong with me and she pestered me. And she got me to tell her, she got me to tell her, this is, I said, and I just told her, I said, this is what I think. This is what I, you're not healed. I told her that. How terrible is that? I think God just to get back at me, like never let her, like the medicine wore off. That was like four weeks ago and she hasn't had any pain in her neck. Like she's, God is just like <laughs> making an example of me. I'm serious. I was like, gosh, dang it, God, just to, sh just. I, he didn't heal you, I'll show you. Um, you know, and we've experienced little healings along the way. Like, it's not that God hasn't met us in this, but, it can, but can I just tell you, the thing that God has shown me is that at some point in this past year, I let the thought, this is not fair, which I know is not, like, I get, like, life's not fair. I don't have an expectation. So this is the battle that I had, but I, somewhere along the line, I thought, this is unfair, and this suffering is unnecessary. I had those thoughts, and I let those thoughts stay in my head, and then I let those thoughts creep into my heart. And man, I'm just so thankful for our week of prayer and fasting because I felt like all week, God was just like, just in his kindness, in his gentleness, just like peeling layer after layer and, and not crushing me like he should have in my pride, in my ignorance, in my anger. But he was just kindly leading me into repentance and back towards him. He showed me that instead of going to him for rest in this season, I've been running from him and letting resentment build up in my heart. I've been putting my hope in other things. Okay, if this weekend goes right, and it was just getting to a point where everything was setting me off. So we had our New Year's Day service here and everyone was feeling okay. I was like, all right, we're gonna have this great family. Like all of, my, all of our family will be here on Sunday morning. And then Ruby comes down with a fever on Saturday. That's my one of my daughters. And I was, and I was mad, like unnecessary, like over the, like, and I, and I was mad because here's another weekend. That's not going how I thought it would go. And it's just, God just used people to bring words, prophetic words, encouragements, leading me back to realizing I'm putting my hope in something else outside of God. I'm not addressing the problem that's inside of me that's making me sick. Maybe that you're in that place today. Maybe you're frustrated, irritated, despondent. Maybe you feel numb. Life gets hard, we can detach, we can feel numb. God in his kindness wants to lead you into repentance. Repentance is a gift. He has mercy for you. Man, that's, I've just been celebrating. I woke up, his mercy was new. I'm not a perfect person. Man, he loves me. Man, he's kind to me. He sees all my issues and he is like, he's not killing me, but he's just dealing with me like a son. He's so good to us. If, you're in, if you are in Christ today, maybe you just need that gentle call back to deal with the things going on in here. Maybe you've put your hope in something out here.
God wants to bring you back. He wants us to confess and he wants us to walk away and take action. Let that be your, let me, let that be your invitation today. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know him as liberator. There is an invitation from God to you to know him as friend and Savior and Messiah. That's what I believe he would want you to know. He, you don't have to jump through hoops to get him. He jumped through all the hoops to get to us. And then he died on the cross because just like Chris's story, we are not good people. We have a sick heart and we need forgiveness from our creator. And he has extended that forgiveness if we will receive it and walk with him. Let that be your invitation today to walk with Jesus. Let me give us just a few practical steps here as, as we land. Um, few practical things. If you're new to Jubilee, I want to invite you to be a part of Growth Track. Like, let that be your next step. And the reason why I mentioned Growth Track is because I, we believe that you have been created on purpose and for a purpose. And our hope is that in Growth Track, which is just a three-step course that we offer, it happens during our 1030 service, during the service, and it's going to start on the first Sunday in February. First Sunday in February, if you show up at 1030, never been to Growth Track, come be a part of Growth Track. And there's three Sundays in a row we're gonna walk through, step one, step two, step three. And the whole purpose that we've created is because we want you to know that God has created you for, on a purpose and for a purpose. He has, he has gifted you, uniquely you. He has made you and put you in this place at this time on purpose so that you can impact the world with the good news of Jesus. That's what he's done and we want you to walk in that. So I wanna invite you to be a part of Growth Track. Secondly, I wanna encourage you to um, refocus on bless. Bless is something we do as a church. Stands with, begin with prayer, listen, listen to people, eat, share a meal, serve and share your story. It's just a simple thing. Gets us focused on who in our life, who doesn't know Jesus that we want to know Jesus? Who, do, who doesn't know Jesus that we can bless this week? Let's begin today by praying. Pray for a coworker, pray for a neighbor, pray for a son, pray for a daughter, pray for a parent, pray for, there's someone on your heart. I am confident there's someone you know that you want in heaven with you. Let's pray for them. God wants to use and work through you to see them set free and liberated. Will you stand with me? We're gonna pray. One last thing I wanna mention is this sermon series we're gonna jump into. We're gonna take a break from Matthew for just a moment, but next week we're gonna jump into this uh, sermon series, Reconstructing Faith. There's a card on your chair, take it with you. With the, I think this is gonna be a helpful sermon for us. No doubtedly you've heard people say, we're decon I'm deconstructing, deconstructing my faith. There's a growing number of Christians deconstructing elements of their faith. And, and we want to, as a church, take a compassionate look. Let me underline that. Compassionate look at the most common issues behind this breakdown of faith with a heart to help people reconstruct a vibrant and passionate and faith-filled pursuit of God. And you can take these cards, invite a friend. Maybe you know someone who's struggling, someone who's questioning, someone who's just uncertain. I just wanna invite you. Bring them along. Just say, hey, come along. We'll do you good. And I believe that God wants to meet many people through that. So just invite you to be back next week for us as we start that. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. We just say you are, you are the son of God. You are the mighty one. You are the beginning and the end. 
and all things, all people, all nations, all tongues will bow to you and confess your name. Jesus, you have all authority and you're not a king. You're not a king that came to oppress and to leverage. You're a king that came to liberate and set free. You're a king that came to show us the way. You're a king that came to show us and invite us into a relationship with you, to be near you. And what king does that? Kings are far off, they're removed. They rule in power from afar, but you're a king that drew near to us. You're the good shepherd, your word says. You care about your flock. Lord, I just pray that your love and truth would pour into our hearts this morning, that you would liberate us from the darkness, from the dark thoughts, from the dark feelings, from things that are going on inside us, lies that we have let creep in, that we've given a foothold. God, would you, I pray for freedom from that in Jesus' name. In your name, amen.